It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. How good can the Canadians duo be? What to make about the coach's comments about one player in particular? Has one goalie made another goalie expendable and his future at center or on the wing? We discuss on the sick podcast. I'm Marinero. Brian Wilde of Global TV Montreal is coming up. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero. The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadiens win the Stanley Cup. Sports entertainment like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. And welcome. It is the Sick Podcast. Double shift your best players. Huh? Man, was that weekend fun for the Canadians versus the Seattle Kraken coming back down by a score of 3-1, to one, tying it up with less than three minutes to go. The game goes to overtime and then seven rounds of a shootout. The Canadians fall to the Kraken but bounce back 24 hours later with a huge win in Philadelphia when they tie it up with 42 seconds left. Short-handed Rem Pitlick and they go to overtime and goal Cole joining me right now to talk about I know he must be equally pumped up. From Global TV Montreal, Brian Wild, how you doing, bud? Tony, yeah. double shift your best players, and they're not Yoel Armia. Uh, yeah, and you know what? Once <laughs> upon a time, we could have said, and they're not Yoel Armia and Arturi Lekin, and we can't say that anymore because Lekin is actually scoring goals. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, the point is, yeah. double shift your best players, and someone has discovered your best players are Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki, yeah. and it shouldn't have been that hard to figure out. Brian, it's the Sick Podcast, and it is brought to you by 8.6 Beer, Intense by Nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passion in order to make their mark, and Lacash. Brian, if the last time you went to Lacash was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time that you, Brian Wild, go back to the cash, and I'm going to bring you, and I'm telling you that the menu will surprise you. I'll take Lacage and I'll take seventeen point two. Quick math of that beer. Uh, yeah, that's that that's was two pretty, of them. That that's, was two. Yeah, of them. that's pretty good. Uh, it, it's funny. <laughs> Actually, I'll take thirty four point four. I'm in a mood. Brian, the way the Canadians are going, uh, we might even get some free wings at Lacage because uh, they're scoring goals. Uh, they are, but you know they're also winning close hockey games. It's been a lot of fun. I, I think this weekend was absolutely fantastic. 
with the ceremony for Ukraine. I talked about that with Stu Cowan yesterday. The fact that Canadians were able to come back down 3-1, the seven rounds of the shootout. But that game in Philadelphia is what I want to talk to you about, Brian. And Nick Suzuki scores two goals after scoring a goal on Saturday. Cole Caulfield gets the winner in overtime. Brian, I want to ask you, how good are, will be, the duo of Suzuki and Caulfield? Well, the sample size is pretty small, right? But last 11 games, 15 points for one and 16 points from the other. And all I want to tell you is the sample size is small because if that's an actual sample yeah. and they don't start to degrade, these are two 80 to 90 point players, which is something we would have never thought of saying, especially about Caulfield, only a month ago. But the math is the math. And all I'm waiting for is about another 10 games to see how it plays out. Because if they can keep this pace going for 20, then the likelihood that they can keep it going for 40 to 80 becomes a lot higher. Because, Tony, we all know there have been a lot of players yeah. that have put some 11-game stretches together in the world. But if it turns to 20, then look out. But I'm telling you, what excitement, though, right? I mean, compared yeah. to how you like to say a lot when you're talking about just the entertainment value. Yeah. And, and the entertainment value, I mean – they're two goals back and you're still keeping the channel on. You still think they got a shot. They're three back and you say, well, even if they don't win this one, there's going to be some excitement from some of the best players. Yeah. And this is why we watch the game. This is fantastic. Yeah. Whether they win or lose, you're entertained. And you know what else, Tony? No one yeah. got the memo they're supposed to lose. Did you see the reaction from the bench? Oh, Did you see Caulfield, the yeah. little visual where oh, he's yeah. high-fiving everybody? Yeah, yeah. No oh, they one got win. the memo. <laughs> they're not they supposed to win. to win or not care. Their excitement level, their care yeah. level is as high as it was last year during the playoffs. It's crazy. Brian, they're loving it. Me, they're loving it. Entertainment is huge. Why? I'm going to tell you why. Um, the Canadians, up until Marty St. Louis took over, they had some of the worst viewership numbers they've had in a long, long time. Over 20 years, the numbers were way, way down Less than 200,000 people watching a Canadian's game. Those wow. numbers are really low. Also, yeah. for me, entertainment is huge because with the with the players' salaries and the salary cap, players making six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve million dollars, you have no other choice of spending the money that you do to start selling your tickets at two hundred dollars, two fifty, three hundred, three fifty, four hundred. Add to that forty dollars in parking. Add to that the concessions. Uh, you know, a couple of tickets and it's easily a $500 night. And now if you want to have people in your building night in and night out at $500 plus per night, or you want to have viewership numbers more so than 200,000, you have to give them entertainment. Look, at the end of the day, only one team can win the Stanley Cup every year. And, and sure, that'd be great to do so. But, you know, you can't control being entertaining because if you're a coach and you give them concepts and not systems and you open it up and you double shift your best players and you give those players freedom, chances are you can put on a show. So I'm very happy uh, with the way the Canadians played this weekend. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I want to give you, we're going to have fun here. I want to give you a couple of names in terms of <laughs> hab duos. And maybe, and just some of them coming to mind, and maybe you can think of Sun Brian. I don't want to go back 
way, way back, but I want to go back at least a decade, okay? Plekanets and Kovalev. Dayarnay and Pacioretty. Pacioretty. Mm -hmm. Suzuki and Caulfield. You can add another duo if you like, but those are the ones that come to mind in the last 10 years, I would say. Um, where do you think, when all is said and done, this duo will rank compared to the other two duos we just talked about? Compared to the other two that you just mentioned, okay, uh, well, the last guy to put in a point per season better was Kovalev, right? 84 points. Yeah, and in how long ago was that? 2009. <laughs> That's so long ago. Yeah. They had a better than point, and then I just said 15 and 11 and 16 and 11, can they do that? I'm going to answer yes. And if they can do that better than Kovalev's 84 in 2009, then the answer is number one. And the in the last 10 years, one. the last 10 years, the most goals a player has scored was Max Pacioretty with 39. 39. Yeah. So, so I know you just said number one. So in your opinion, and I know you didn't say this, but I like to get it. Um, can Cole Caulfield have a season of over 39 goals and can Nick Suzuki have a season of over 84 points? And if it happens, can it both happen in the same season? If it happens, can it happen in the same season? If it happens, it would likely happen in the same season, right? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, because it means one guy's hot and he feeds the other guy, and so the other guy's hot too. Yeah. And everything comes together in the same season. Now, those are big numbers, 84. I like Suzuki at 84 more than I like Caulfield at 40. Would you agree? Oh, Brian, I don't know about that. With the way that really? it looks, look, um, his shot, that big Grubauer, this guy is like five foot six, maybe five seven on skates. Not the biggest, not the strongest, but it just goes to show you shooting is not about size and strength. And yes, there are some guys that are are big and have this tower, you know, this 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 laser of a slap shot, but you know, this is shooting is a skill, it's an art. And I take a look at the way Cole Caulfield shoots the puck. And already in his rookie season, I don't know how many players shoot the puck better than him. Um, I, I would guess that he shoots about 500 pucks per day. I mean, he just, he, he comes across as the kind of guy who after practice goes home, has a bite. And then when he's got nothing to do at home, I don't see him playing PlayStation or Xbox. I see him rifling three, 400 pucks. That's just what I have in my head. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you could see in the celebration after the game when he met everybody uh, underneath the corridor there when he was high-fiving everybody. I mean, I, I, I said this morning, I'll say it again. Find someone who loves you as much as Cole Caulfield loves hockey. Yeah, good one. You know, I like you know, that he's one. Ju he just loves hockey so much, and, and he can't hide his joy. And you can tell sometimes when he celebrates, he's trying to hide his joy because people have said, hey, bud, try not to celebrate that much when you score a goal. I've been there before. But he can't do it. He loves it too much. <laughs> you know, and the celebration last night was another indicator. And I think I say that Suzuki eclipsing 84 easier than uh, Caulfield eclipsing Max at 39 because I look at the balance a little bit in the last, you know, the 15 and 11 and 16, 11 for the two. Yeah. Suzuki 16 and 11 indicates 84 is in the realm. But Caulfield's balance is, is not goal-centric. His balance, I think, for those 15 points is 6 and 9, though I don't have it in front of me. 
uh, in the last 11. And I always mark the last 11 because I think that's when the team actually started to get together yeah. because those first three games that they lost, Martin St. Louis didn't have a practice yet. Nope. And so what he was trying to do really wasn't ingrained. And then they had three, four days off and they did that uh, uh, third of a rink practice and uh, had the intensity and his ideas started to get through. Yeah. So I like to kind of ignore those first three games a little bit because I think it's unfair in terms of saying yeah. it was an MSL team. You're right. It wasn't an MSL team yet. It was an MSL team after four practices. So the, the balance Caulfield has, to the original point again, is 15 uh, points in 11, and I believe the balance is 6-9. So that doesn't tell me 40 is on the agenda right now. It tells me that 84 might be on his agenda a little bit more even than 40. But you never know how it works out. Because the reason that Caulfield doesn't have a 9-6 and has a 6-9 is Josh Anderson has a 6-0-1. Yeah, I got you. On, on the line. So, yeah. you know, they share the goals with the guy over on the other side. We'll see. It's going to be fun watching it play out and listen to how we're talking. Yeah. When was the last time you and I had a conversation dating back to all the years that I did a hit with you on, on, on TSN? You know, I mean, how many, how many decades ago was that now yeah. that we never even had this conversation once, Tony? Yeah. And you know what's funny with the way the game ended last night, and I saw the someone put it up there on social media, and I think I quoted it after. It was pretty funny. Is the fans in Philadelphia? They knew Brian. I'm sure you saw the video I'm talking about, but I'll take yeah, you back sure. to the yeah. 2019 NHL draft. Uh, Cole Caulfield is slated to go in the top ten, but he's slipping the way usually one year. There's always a player who slips. Well, in 2019, it was him. Because you'd have to think teams thought he was just too small. So he slips, he slips, he slips, and you get the pick number 14, and it's the Philadelphia Flyers. And Flyers fans are gathered in a sports bar nowhere near as nice as Lacash because Lacash is, without a doubt, the best sports bar in Montreal, in Quebec, in Canada, and I think in North America. But anyway, uh, there they are. And they're chanting, Cole, 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 Cole. The Flyers brass goes up and they announce from the U.S. National Development Program. Everyone starts going crazy. Cam York. <laughs> and then everyone yeah. just drops their hands. And they go, oh, my God. Uh, you hear it, too, oh, right? They start, they start holding their head. And like, what did we do? <laughs> so the fans knew that Cole Caulfield was the better pick than Cam York. He might still go on to have a it's great a career, Cam. He's still young, but. It's on your Twitter timeline because it's on mine too. Yeah, I did the same thing funny. last night. And I, the, the amazing part is the groan. <laughs> he just, oh. Yeah. And poor Cam York too because he's not a bad hockey player or anything. Yeah. But the other guy won the Hobie Baker and uh, in his second year and um, in his first year was setting scoring records too. And, of course, yeah. with Hughes, who went number one, he Hughes couldn't have accomplished what he did without getting some help. And I actually had Caulfield top five. And I was watching that draft just uh, anecdotally to quickly set you up a little bit here uh, with Simon Salikas. And Simon and I were at Next Door Pub having a good time. And I'm like, Simon, they keep passing on Caulfield. I got him top five. I got him top five. And uh, Simon's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. He's not really that into Cole. And I'm super into Cole. Uh, and I really wanted to take him. Uh, and then when Spencer Knight was taken by Florida, yeah, I thought, okay, that was a guy they said – that was in the mix when they went goalie there. I thought, okay, it's getting closer and more possible. Um, I don't remember who Arizona's choice was, but they passed. Uh, and then when, when Philly passed, I mean, I jumped 
and I said, "Oh my God, they got Caulfield! They got yeah, Caulfield!" And I, 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 and I knew from I knew from Trevor they were going to yeah. take Caulfield too. Uh, yeah, so it was a great Brian, moment. I remember who Arizona's pick was, and the reason who why I remember it? it, and I'll tell you Go who ahead. it was in a second. Yeah. Is, you know, Habs TV has, uh, they take you to the draft, right? And yeah. you, I'm sure you watched the episode before with Mark Bergevin, with Trevor Timmons to his left, with Shane Sherlock to his left, and Bergevin's got Scott Mellenby to his right. And I they remember the conversations, the way it was going, right? And Shane Sherlock guessed who Arizona was going to pick. Okay. And he guessed Victor Soderstrom. Mm-hmm. And so they picked Soderstrom, and then they started talking about uh, we need we need three more helps here. Or we, or no, we need another help here. And then they said um, I, it was after Minnesota picked Matthew Boldy at twelve that they said we need Dale to take the goalie. Yeah, and Dale yep. took I the goalie. That one. And you yep. know, so it's funny because you'd have to think that knowing that Trevor likes players out of the U.S. National Development Program, that if Philadelphia was going to take Caulfield, that the Canadians were probably going to take York. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. or yeah. and you or, know what I did? Or you know Alex I did at Newark, the, maybe um, you know. What I did too court. last night, just out of fun, is I took a look at all of the tweets from 2009. Sometimes those epic moments are fun to look back at and you see who was saying what at the time. 2019, and, you mean? 2019. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I'll go yeah. back on Twitter and look at everybody's tweets to see what everybody's attitude was at the time. Yeah. And the fan the fan base wasn't really excited for Cole Caulfield. There was the odd person, but there yeah. was a lot of he's too small talk. And uh, a lot of people saying uh, something to the effect of we need a defenseman, we need a defenseman. And it's funny because what it tells me is at that moment how we might have thought and how the next moment we might have thought about Kotkaniemi and then the next moment coming up, it looks like you need a defenseman or a, you know a second C or a 1C, depending how you view Nick. Let's just call it a top six. But the point is it just kind of shows looking back at 2019 and the conversation there that you really got to make sure you don't get wrapped up in what position you think at that moment. Because development takes so long that by the time it comes, you don't even need that anymore. Yeah. And you know what? Just take the damn best player available, as everybody has always said. But also at the time, if you worried about taking Cole Caulfield because it was a Claude Julien team – well, Again, how are you going to know that Marty St. Louis was going to be the coach exactly. a couple of years later, right? Exactly. And what would Cole's have path have been under yeah. Ducharme for, you know, he might, I, I don't mean, I want to, don't want to be ultra negative here, but yeah. when was his break coming in that regime? Yeah. When? I don't know. Like next week, was he going to yeah. say, ah, okay, I'll have a different attitude. Next yeah. month? Oh, next yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. Okay, next season. I'll, oh, I didn't like that defensive play you mentioned. Hey, the sick podcast, <laughs> a shout out to matrixhomefitness.ca. Take a look at me, Brian. Uh, becoming a lean machine, I hope. Uh, bring it home. Discover <laughs> a quality workout in the comfort of your own home. Visit matrixhomefitness.ca. I love my Matrix T75. And I also picked up the Matrix Roar, we're gonna, which I'm going to put out there on social media. And a shout out to manscaped.com. Use code me for 20% off. Look Don't at these arms. Me. Look, Don't try and find me. a hair on these hands or on these arms okay. or All on right, this fine. chest, and you okay, won't. It's that's fine. I was worried. I was worried. Yeah. I was no, no, the don't package. Hey, <laughs> this hasn't been talked about, uh, but it didn't go unnoticed by me. I thought something incredible came up last night in the in the post game presser. It was Marty St. Louis talking about Brendan Gallagher. Did you catch it? I did. Yeah. All right. Let's listen to it right now. I mean, 
Is there ever a time that Gally doesn't play hard? I think Gally just brings everybody into the fight. Um, and he's, you know, I, I, I know Gally is, is, is a really good net front guy. He's really good F1 in the forecheck. But I feel like Gally is evolving as a player where he's not just that. He's good at that, but I'm asking him to, 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 to evolve as a player, not forget those things, but also play the other side of the game a little bit, not just worrying about being F1 and that front guy. And I think <clears throat> he's just going to keep getting better at it in, in the concepts that we're bringing in. You should never be too late to evolve. It looked like Marty St. Louis, or it sounded like, you tell me, it sounded like Marty St. Louis was carefully trying to choose his words because he didn't want to be offensive. He actually wanted it to be uh, complimentary. Um, but he wants Gallagher to evolve. I mean, Brendan Gallagher must probably be there. He could be there listening to that saying, I've been in the league for 10 years and I've scored 30 plus goals at three, four different times. And, uh, but what do you, what kind of player do you think he wants Brendan Gallagher to be? And do you think it's because it can go two ways here, Brian? Okay. It can either, he sees Gallagher can be so much of a better player, mm-hmm. um, or, um, he thinks Gallagher is somewhat flawed. Like which, which way are you looking at this? Well, uh, first, first of all, when I listened to that, I thought of uh, the caution that he was speaking with a little bit, uh, not in terms of not trying to hurt his feelings, but in terms of not wanting to reveal to us exactly what he thought he could get better at. That's how I viewed it. Interesting. I viewed it in a, yeah, I viewed it in a very positive light that there's something I want to teach this guy and it's none of your business. Uh, but I, when I watch his game, I know there's an aspect of it that he has not explored yet. Now, what is that? I'm not as smart as Martin Saint Louis. Okay. And I, and I have no is, idea. You're, you're I have no idea because I've looked at Brendan Gallagher as you know pretty much a complete player. So, but this just tells me uh, again, uh, and I don't think I've ever you know worked with a coach or watched a coach. Uh, as I do Martin St. Louis and feel as if there are so many new things being said to me. Yeah. I mean, have you ever felt there've been so many new things being said to you as a coach? I mean, we go, I've been doing this job 38 years now. And with Martin St. Louis, I go, I never thought of that or, Oh, that's new. Or, well, that's a different way to approach it. And you're like, you know, and even things like uh, things that we've always said, you and I, like you and I for a decade have probably said, well, if he's a right-handed shot, wouldn't he be better on the left side? He doesn't have to take the pass across his body and he sees more of the net. And then sometimes coaches do that on, on the power play. They'll put a guy like Caulfield on the left half wall. But then when the game starts, what they think is more important is that he, he handles the breakout pass from the defenseman. Yeah. But but MSL, he breaks the mold on all of these. Suddenly Martin Stanley says, no, forget it. We've always thought that that guy should be on his off wing, like the Russians in Central Army, yeah. Red Army in the 1980s, and I'm going to do that. You know, and that's just one example I can think of that's pretty simple at the top yeah. of my head because I'm a simple guy. But I think he's telling them complex things that I haven't even ever thought about. Every and so chat. when I think about Brendan Gallagher there, Tony, I have no idea what he's talking yeah. about. But I'm sure it's something amazing. <laughs> and I, in about three weeks, if Gallagher learns it, I'm going to go, oh, yeah, that's incredible. That's fantastic. 
Brian, on nights. Do you when have the, a guess? You asked yeah, me. Yeah, I do have a guess, and I'll get to it in Let's a second. But I just wanted Let's to add it. that on nights when the Canadians don't play, I wish they would just interview Marty St. Louis, and I would just sit back. It seems like <laughs> not it's like a hockey tutorial, right? It's like a hockey yeah. lesson. It's really enriching, to tell you the truth. My guess is is that uh, can it be that St. Louis wants to change the way Gallagher plays the game so as – he can be more economical with his energy and so that he can put it uh, and, you know, I just probably think he watches him play and says he doesn't have to be the F1 all the time. Him going in to be the F1 means that he has to finish his checks. He's got to be the first one in. He's got to battle. He's going to lose energy uh, and it's going to take away from his ability to score goals. Or is it this guy shouldn't be an F1. Can it be that? Because he, well, here, here's what's funny about F1 right now, and this is something that Martin Saint-Louis uh, said that I read in the terrific ar article that Mag and Arpin wrote for The Athletic. I don't know if you saw that one. It was the top 10 things that Martin Saint-Louis. It, it was a fantastic article. Just one of the best articles I've ever read. And, um, you know, in that article, he basically kind of indicated, again, another change in philosophy in that you don't have to think of one guy as your F1 who's the best four checker, but your F1 would be just the first guy that happens to arrive. Yes. And then your F2 is the guy that watches the way the F1 is pushing the play so he can get in the right spot. So maybe, you know, you're right that he's not saying you are always the F1. If you see a guy's going in first ahead of you, don't race in like a madman. Watch the way that he pushes the play and angles off his defensive opponent and yeah. then take your cues from that. And then the F3 takes the cues from the F2. And I mean, you know because where I really like can, Go ahead. Yeah. If the F1 is always the same guy, then it's so systemic. And this way, it's more improv. It's easy. And more you don't organic. have to wait for the other guy. It's the closest guy to him becomes the F1. And that's how you go. And you know what? I'm going to use a word here that whenever yeah. I hear MSL talk, I, I think of this word. Because it, it, it encapsulates his philosophies all the time. It's organic. Who's going to be F1? Organically, it's you. Why? You're first. Correct. You've arrived to the blue line first. Yeah. The line change is happening. The other guys are not there yet. What are you going to do? Wait? You know what I mean? Or, yes. I just feel like everything about him. We finally it, found it. it. It's organic. It, and everyone no, knows, it, Brian, that organic is better for you. It's organic. Is that a sponsor? Did I need you into a sponsor? <laughs> a potential sponsor. We'll, we'll take him. <laughs> No, but I mean, that seems to be his – every time I listen to him, I say he sees yeah. he sees hockey in his mental worldview as an organic exercise. Nothing is forced. And when you're conceptualizing in organic ways, it's the way he sees the game. You know, like when he talks about F1, F2, F3 and how that works, yeah. they're just – they're playing. It's like, the, it's like the Matrix, you know. He's like Neo yeah. in the way he's kind of looking at it. And – uh and Matrix Home not, Fitness, not CA. <laughs> there you go. See, you manage. <laughs> so that's uh, beautiful. That's great. Um, so when he sees the game like that, and I listen to him talk about the game like that, I just feel um, as if he's like, you know, he's three steps ahead of us. Yeah, I really do. I, I just, I've never, and I've never liked the coach so much in my life. 
I like I I said one time on Twitter and Dave Stubbs responded like, are you crazy? I said one time that I thought coaches were overvalued. If you don't have talent, no, I never it's not going to matter. No, yeah. I said it. Yeah, I hear you. I said I said if you don't I said I sometimes think coaches are, are overvalued. If you don't have talent, it's not going to matter how you coach. But but Martin saying we makes me think that I was wrong. Because I see the pretty much the same talent, you know, took uh, what forty-five games to get eight wins. He he needed fourteen. Brian, he's forty-five changed. to fourteen is like a pretty big difference. Brian, for me, he's changing the way coaches should coach the game, and I think we're going to see a lot more many a, a lot more Marty St. Louis as coach going forward. You love the guy, I mean. I, I'm already sending the National Hockey League an email to change the Jack Adams Award to the Marty St. Louis Award. I mean, I love him so much. But anyway, okay. So look, we 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 love Marty St. Louis, and I agree with you. I mean, uh, he's uh, he's very refreshing. Oh, I want so to talk fun. to you about Rem Pitlick because I would imagine Rem the Gem. By the way, I gave him that name. Uh, I would imagine that Rem the Gem loves playing for Marty St. Louis, and I would imagine based on the ice time that he's getting. That Marty St. Louis loves Rem the Gem, who tied the game up yesterday. Isn't that something? Chris Weidman takes a penalty with a minute left. Yeah. The Canadians are down uh, by a score of three to two. And Rem Pitlick says at the end of the game that he and Suzuki were on the ice and they were smiling because they knew they were going to tie it up. I mean, this stuff. I'm telling you, I've never, I've never liked a Did last place. Did they say place. that? I didn't. Yeah, that. yeah. I've never, Brian. I've never liked a last place team or players on a last place team more than this edition of the Canadians. So even in a terrible season, they manage uh, to make us love them. But Wild. I want to ask I, you about. I'm more entertained now than I've been when they were very good teams. Uh, I haven't been this entertained since Emmanuel Cat. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> I would say Guy Carbono. I haven't been this entertained since a Guy Carbono coach team. It's a fun team. Brian, is Rem Pitlick's future at center ice or on the wing? I always look at a center iceman as a guy that can control the play. And when he's on, he can drive it. I mean, look how Nick Suzuki drove the play yesterday. He plays in the first half of the game with the guys he's been playing with, and then they decide that they need to get Galley going and Hoffman a bit. So Suzuki switches over to the other line, and suddenly that line dominates, and the other line falters without having Nick Suzuki. So you didn't see Pitlick when he was sent back to play with Caulfield and Anderson carry the play like Suzuki carries the play, but that's a hell of a thing to accomplish because Suzuki's yeah. one hell of a player. Um, and I'm not sure he's a centerman because I don't know if he can carry the play. And I really think that's a big hole on the team. They got to get a they got to get a top six center if they're going to consider themselves to be a serious team because you can't ask Nick to do it every single night. But think uh, about and that's, this. Go ahead. But think about this. Uh, if he continues to play the way he's playing, yeah. When Dvorak comes back, Dvorak may be able to get Dvorak. He might feel like you know what I can play more offense now. Because a guy like Pitlick can probably play this role. It maybe bumps Evans down to your fourth line. It probably puts uh, Paling and or Dauphin on the wing. Anyway, um, if you think his future is on the wing, at that point, it makes Lekkinen expendable. Now, I've been talking about trading Lekkinen for a while. Right now, he's hurt. But I maintain this. I said it before. I'm going to say it again. I love Lekkinen. I take him on my team. But he's going to be up for a substantial raise. 
And I think he's more the player that he was in the last four weeks, the last four years than he was in the last four weeks. And so I think that if you don't trade him in a couple of years from now, he might find himself on the fourth line making 3.5 plus million dollars. And you're going to say, why didn't we trade him on that note? Jake Allen has Samuel Montembeau made him expendable because Brian Montembeau is blowing me away. I'm just, I love the kid's fight. I love the kid's character, the way he battled on the weekend. He deserves a contract, Brian. And if he's going to get a contract here and he's not going to be in Montreal, you don't want him being the number one in Laval. You need Primo to play in Laval. I'm thinking that Samuel Montembeau could be one of the Canadians' two goalies at the start of next season. All right. I'm going to throw a curve on that. Tell me. Well, I, I tweeted on the weekend that the last thing you want is a good goalie and a rebuild. Okay. You, you can't have a 925 goalie in a rebuild. You'll never be bad enough. So when I, I say it's that. the last thing you want, what I mean is not the colloquial phrase, it's the last thing you want. I mean, the real phrase, it's actually the last literally thing that you want. Because you're not going to be able to ever finish 28, 29, 30, 31, 32 if your goalie's doing 925. And we saw that from Carey Price for a decade. Yeah. How yeah. they they masked that the team uh, scored three and allowed two. Yeah. And they allowed only two instead of four because Carey Price made three bellwether saves. So, you know, I don't even want to consider the team in terms of how good they need to be in goal because I want them to be lousy a little longer because, you know, it's so hard to talk about because the wins are so enjoyable and it's so entertaining and fun, but it's still going to be the same old you know, no matter how good Martin St. Louis is, how do you get over that great big hump when there are four things you have to have? It's two top uh, 6C and a first pair D, and they only got one of the four pieces right now. You got to have the other pieces. Well, hold on a second. The four pieces are two top centers. Right, and they got Suzuki. Okay. A number one defenseman. Two number one defense. Two number one defensemen. Okay. Well, two first pair defensemen. Yeah, I would say and, and, that. Uh, and they have I would, zero. I would say maybe five pieces and a thirty plus goal scorer, and I think Who's they're going to have a full Caulfield goal. The Who's the thirty goal scorer, thirty plus goal scorer, which is Caulfield. Well, yeah, I mean, you got yeah. two centers driving the play. You're always going to have a thirty goal scorer. Yeah, you're probably right about that. All right, yeah. okay. So so now I'll I'll end it with this though. Is Montembeau better than Allen right now if Allen comes back and Allen is healthy? Oh, no, not to me. No, 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 no. So then you should trade Jake Allen with your your logic. Definitely, in my view. But, I mean, nobody would understand my logic unless I get to explain it. Do you trade Jake Allen? Hell yeah, because he he can give you a 915 when he's hot. I think think Allen tops out in a good season at 915 to 920, and I think Montembeau tops out when he's playing really, really well at 900 to 905. Do you think that's fair? I think that's fair. And if that, and if we think in terms of you don't want to finish 12th uh, or 17th or 19th. So the worst thing you can do is finish 19th, right? Yeah. Well, that's what they've been doing for a decade. I, I hear you. Of course, listen. You're, you're, <laughs> and you're you and pre- I are on the same page on that. I, I like this recent run. Really, I do. But you're preaching to the choir. 
It's You're the weirdest the thing choir. in the world to talk about this because we're loving Cole Caulfield yeah. and we're loving Nick Suzuki. We're loving the way they play. We're loving, you know, some some fringe elements like Ryan Paling improving, Jake Evans looking comfortable if he were slotted in the right place as his center. Uh, some of the defenders have been playing better recently. The excitement of the game is wonderful. So it's it's so weird to talk about these in these terms because we know that you don't get better in a vacuum you get better because you do good things and do doing good things leads to victories and victories leads to the excitement we feel which leads to never getting over that damn hump yeah uh geez i'm so i'm more confused now than when we started the show you want to know why because i suck because you just talked me out of double shifting <laughs> your best players. If you double shift your best players, you can't rebuild, can, Ryan. We're can, back to can, square one. Jeez. Oh, you know what? You know what, though? Like, it's not a guarantee that the – here's how I see it. It's not a guarantee that the defenders they need are, are picked from one through five. But it is a guarantee that the center you need is picked one through ten. Wouldn't you agree? I, I, there are, there are few it's, exceptions. But it's yeah. an outlier. It's an yeah. outlier, man. Yeah. To get, to get a top flight, control the game center, you generally pick, and even then you could not get one. Kotkaniemi at three, uh, Hayton at five or six or wherever he was to Arizona. Yeah. He still hasn't done anything. He was the second yeah. best center in that draft. But for so, the most part, but for the most for the part, most yet, part. for the most part, at one, uh, McKinnon at one, Right. Matthews at one, at one right. um, exactly. But Barkov at uh, did he three? go? Uh, I think he went two, three, two. Okay, or maybe right. three. Yeah, I think you know he went two. Drew doesn't went matter. Three. Our point is that they were that they were drafted high. However, yeah. in concluding or the point, when not. I talk when I talk about uh, where one finds those those yeah. you know first pair D and first uh, top six C, the D can arrive at 12 yeah 17 you know what i mean like yeah. uh it, it's a lot it's a lot i mean i'm not saying it doesn't have like sanderson was five doubting yeah. i think was three i'm not saying that um, you know it doesn't help to take the best one available of course but there have been some you know there have been some nines to 13s that have turned into top pair d so that's what that's the goal that's the don't goal. worry and, brian I can smell la, 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 what Brian Wilde is cooking. I don't know how to do the eye thing. Brian, thanks for joining me, man, on the Sick Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Sick Podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. See you, Brian. Thanks for having me, man. You're very welcome. Cheers. There you have it. I'm Marinero, the Sick Podcast. Tell your buddies about it because this podcast is. Sick. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, Intense by Nature, and Lakash. If the last time you went to Lakash was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakash. The menu will surprise you. <laughs> <laughs>